he's all that and a bag of potato chips is um it's okay what nobody else would say Hello and welcome to another episode of Geek Chew. My name is Heyman. I'm Charlene. And our intro music is by my brother Ryan. And this is a podcast where we talk about TV, movies, books, stuff we like. Uh, This episode is actually all Star Wars The Last Jedi though. Right? Yes. Well, we should... Little PSA. Psych, the TV show is now available on (laughs) On Amazon Amazon. Prime. Uh, that was a Just miracle straight. walking into the house and having it be on the television. Yeah. And I was like, Tegan, where did you find this? And she's like, it's on Amazon, duh, which now available on the Apple TV, right. which just makes life amazing. Yeah. Basically the best thing that could have happened to us. Yeah. Uh, and then the psych movie also came out this earlier this month, which was awesome. It was awesome. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a psych household. It's right. Like, <laughs> So we're very excited, but we're also excited about The Last Jedi, which we saw two times. Um, this ep- or this episode of our show here is going to get some some spoiler reaction going on. We figure we just do like a, a deep dive on the one thing. Right. Yeah. But yeah, so we saw it the Friday it came out in the morning. We packed the kids off, sent them to school, and then snuck to the movies <laughs> to watch it ourselves. <laughs> And um, then we saw it again on Christmas. It took the whole family. Right. As is our tradition. For the last three years. Yep. And probably in perpetuity. Who sure. knows when they're going to not have another Star Wars movie come out on Christmas. But Well, come out in December. Right. Uh, the next one comes out in May, though. Oh. The Han Solo movie. But what was your first overall impression? Or I guess compared to your second impression of the movie, like... Um, I don't know. Both were awesome. Yeah. I mean, I have to admit I did fall asleep in the second one a little bit. I was, <laughs> I was tired. <laughs> wow. Did you not know I fell asleep? No, I don't think I did. I was sleeping on your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were just, you know, cuddling Christmas cuddles. <laughs> no, I fell asleep. It was like the last 20 minutes. Probably. Oh my goodness. Um, but, um, I just thought it was really fun and light and very much, um, like my first impression was very Star Warsy. you know, like it was, yeah, it was very Star Warsy. which is funny because there was a lot of backlash that I, it's too Disney to the, to the movie, um, which we can, we'll get into a little bit, I guess, but, uh, directed and written by Ryan Johnson, who also did Looper and other stuff, Breaking Bad episodes. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, the biggest um, difference for me between the the first and second viewing, I think, was just like the movie really does have a lot of great moments. Uh, and and they're just, you know, they're more powerful when you don't know what's, what's coming next. 
Yes, I agree. Yeah. But uh, so I guess we're, we'll probably just kind of go through it sort of chronologically, also talking about the characters as they pop up. And uh, the movie just kind of basically picks up right where Force Awakens left off because they're evacuating their the rebel base that uh, the uh, First Order wanted to blow up with their, uh, what was it called? Planet Killer? Death Star, Star Killer, Killer Base. Star, Star Killer, Killer Base. <laughs> so initially it's that they are trying to escape and Poe Dameron is causing sort of a distraction initially. Uh, right, to give them is, time. Yeah, and this is like the beginning of the movie and, and it is very uh, Star Wars, the movie, but it also has a little bit of like different flavor to it, like the humor. Right, um, it is, it's definitely like a lighter, not as... um drama I, I don't know that maybe that's not how i want to describe it yeah i mean it just has more of like a a modern humor sensibility to it like the yeah the opening scene where poe is like holding for general hux and he uh, says head hugs yeah, which hugs. is really <laughs> funny <laughs> but uh, yeah so that it kind of sets up like a different almost I don't want to say it's a different tone because the tone is still there, but it's just a different kind of humor, I think, than typically seen in Star Wars. But um, also, it, it, as a set piece, that whole bombing run is just, um, you know, with every new Star Wars movie that comes out, it, it just it shows how um, how much cool stuff can be done uh, in the universe, like new ships and new ways to use old ships. The, those bombers were were pretty awesome. That, that's the yeah. first time I've ever seen those. Um, the thing about talking about Star Wars is there's so much extended universe stuff that like I have no I idea about. Yeah. Uh, I I barely know the non extended universe. <laughs> like I really enjoy it, but I'm not all you you know this planet that planet. Like I don't I don't have all those details of yeah yeah. You know. Um. But yeah, so basically that scene sets up the sort of uh, character arc for Poe's character in, in this movie. There's a lot of overt lessons in yeah. in the movie, which is not uncommon for Star Wars, I don't think. Right. I, I mean, you must have sent me that thing. <clears throat> it was like a, a Twitter picture or something of a conversation that was like, do you even Star Wars? No, oh, yeah. Like... <laughs> Because I feel like it, it's really quintessential Star Wars with just like a, a modern humor sensibility, yeah. you know, and like all of the lessons about humanity, and, you know, like that, that's always been there. Yeah. So. Uh, and, and so the rebel fleet jumps to light speed, um, ostensibly escaping and, uh, but at great cost uh they took out the dreadnought but whatever part mm -hmm. of the whole lessons uh and then i i think it cuts to luke on the island where they left off on the force awakens right where mm -hmm. she's holding out the lightsaber and he takes in another one of those um funny little right uh, things. he takes the lightsaber and just <laughs> chucks it <laughs> yeah chucks it over his shoulder <laughs> off the cliff um but the time spent on the island is you know luke and ray and 
uh, reintroduction to Luke Skywalker, the character, um, who hasn't been seen in a movie for, I don't know, 35 years. Is that how long? (laughs) You mean in a Star Wars movie? Yeah. Yeah. Luke Skywalker. Oh, right. For some reason. (laughs) What other movie would he be in? Well, I was thinking Mark Hamill. Yeah. Because to me, even though Luke Skywalker is a character that Mark Hamill plays, Mark Hamill and Luke Skywalker just one and the same. Right. So, my bad. But Yeah, Yeah, he definitely, um, I don't know, he's... He's really good in this movie. I, I think, I mean, obviously he's not a, a casting choice that was made, but um, the casting stuff they did in, in Force Awakens and combined with um, the uh, the people from the old series, I just, I, I really love these new Star Wars movies. Me um, too. Yeah. And we, uh, in preparation for this new Star Wars movie, we went back, we watched a bunch of the old ones and like watching Return of the Jedi. Like, I don't see how somebody can, you know, um, be disappointed with the last Jedi because the return of the Jedi is, is not a good movie. <laughs> it's just <laughs> terrible. Uh, but on the Island, they kind of, they establish this, um, relationship between Luke and Ray where he's doesn't want to teach her and she's there to try to get him to come help the rebellion. But the, the stuff on the Island is quintessential star Wars characters. Um, not not like main characters, but like creatures, like the nun creatures and mm-hmm. the porgs. You get yeah, introduced yeah. to them on the island, and um, the porgs are really funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do like the way they were used. It wasn't wasn't too much, but it wasn't right. Did you call them nuns on the island? So yeah, they're caretakers. Yeah, but they do seem nun like, right? right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I didn't like think they were actual like catholic nuns <laughs> no, I, I know that i'm just saying they're not called that right in the film but it's funny because you know i think anyone who's seen it would have obviously just made that same so right. wouldn't would have just kind of thrown that away is is what they might be called yeah but yeah they i mean they go into this whole thing with his, he'll he'll teach her three lessons about why why the jedi need to end and he really goes takes a hard look at uh the mistakes that the jedi have made and you know obviously everything is kind of um colored by this one person's experience like his experience right. he's the last jedi and he explains why he thinks they they need to end their hubris and their um they let the emperor rise to power and all, all that stuff is right. is true and then he's also there on the island with these sacred jedi texts that play heavily into the movie as far as there's just a lot of discussions about like the Jedi religion, which are really interesting. I, th- I thought, I thought so too. Um, I think it is an interesting thing that, you know, he's, he sort of stepped away from his role as a Jedi, but at the same time, he's like as immersed in the Jedi religion as you possibly can be as like being the guardian on this Island with like the first sacred jedi texts and um you know there with the caretakers just like hanging out i know he's in hiding but also like you know like i mean he could have it's like i mean hid somewhere else that was right not at a sacred jedi temple right it's also interesting i don't know if i've ever heard it like explicitly referred to as a religion before 
Have you? I don't. I, don't, I mean, I know that oh, we just discussed not. how you, yeah, aren't intimately familiar with all the Star Wars, <laughs> but like, I guess, it seemed um, it seemed new to me. Like, I know, um, outside of the the movie verse, like it's I've heard it referred to as a religion, obviously, but like actually in the movie, right, it's very it's interesting really to hear like that a, word. It's not really like um a, a worship type. No. to a greater power so much as i think i feel like it's sort of the, along the same lines as like original buddhism where mm. it's like just connection to yeah to what's around yeah um, and one well, of the or yeah. the idea of because obviously so there was the some of, isn't real <laughs> well we'll see the <laughs> um you know a couple of the criticisms one was like um that they're changing the rules of the force. But like when he's describing the force to Ray, like it's different than how it's been described before. And I didn't really get that. Like, I just, I thought it was, um, you know, everybody's going to describe something differently and that's his experience of it. But it's also kind of falls in line with what we've always known the force to be. What, right. What was breaking the rules of the force? I, I don't know. I don't know. Just like it's, uh like i see like the leia thing seems a little bit weird which we'll, we'll yeah i mean get to next but yeah so there are definitely like um new powers that were like introduced in this movie but that happens in every almost every star wars movie like people keep saying that there are all these plot holes and everything but like come on like you need to have things happen to move the story forward you know? right um Otherwise, what's the point of yeah. introducing a new set of movies if you're not going to grow on yeah. on the foundation that's already been built? Yeah, I'm just going to be honest. I really like this movie, and I, some I of the too. criticisms about it are just like they annoy me. Yeah. Um, there, there was this uh, interview where Mark Hamill was like, um, kind of expressed his initial creative differences with the director, who also wrote the movie about you know, Luke wouldn't be this person. He wouldn't do this, whatever. Um, but if you like look at the whole interview, he was like, by the end of the movie, I was like, this is, you know, this is okay with me. This is right. But he, just because he said like those words, this is not my Luke Skywalker. And, you know, people took that and, Oh, and ran with it. Yeah. And didn't, so and took it out of obnoxious context. And, yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's disappointing. Cause like, he really does a, a great a job, in this movie. job in this movie <laughs> and, and he's, I think he's funnier in this movie than he was in the original three. I mean, like he actually has oh, yeah, a sense of humor. He was not funny. He was not funny. Yeah. And Mark and, Hamill's hilarious. Right. Yeah, he is. He's a good follow on Twitter too. <laughs> but you know, the next scene is, well, I don't want to say the next scene cause we're not actually like, I'm scene not a hundred percent sure on the scene by scene. <laughs> we don't need to do that. And but, I don't want to, but, <laughs> but, uh, one of the, I think one of, the, I mean, this, there were a lot of surprising things in the movie. One of the most surprising was, um, this, the scene where the rebel ships have come out of light speed and, uh, the first order is, is right still on their tail. hot on their tail. Uh, and, uh, Kylo Ren goes out with his couple of wingmen and, you know, is attacking the ship and he, uh, you know, can't pull the trigger to, to kind of blow up their main, uh, the bridge, the bridge. of the ship. And, Cause um, he knows his mom's there. Right. He just can't do it. So he, yeah. He's conflicted. He takes his, um, 
his thumb off the trigger, but his two wingmen just blow it to shit and, and everybody gets sucked out into the vacuum. And, um, and it's this moment where you're like, Oh, oh my God, <laughs> is that, is that like, is that how they're going to kill Karen kind of Fisher, write her out of the story? Yeah. Um, and I had heard that she had a huge part in, in this episode, uh, episode eight. Um, so that was surprising. And it's this weird moment where, the movie kind of overlaps with this reality of, of her not being here anymore. Um, and then obviously, uh, after, uh, a couple beats, you know, she opens her eyes and kind of Mary Poppins is her way back to the, <laughs> to the ship and, you know, using the force, which you don't get to see her do a lot, but, or at all. Um, unless she's like a, upset by a disturbance in the force. A right. lot of, a lot of times when people die, she, <laughs> she seems right. upset. She seems to have more of like an emotional rather like, than physical you know, connection to the force. Yeah. And, but she still has a, a pretty big part to play in the movie. Yeah. Which was, was good. I was actually just expecting her role to end in this one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, she's going to be interesting how they, um, kind of solve that going forward to the to the final episode of, of this well, trilogy just gonna cgi her into oh god the i next hope not <laughs> um yeah so whatever it's up to jj i guess it was one of those just kind of um powerful th- scenes like that was um a little just harder hitting when you didn't know what was going to happen yes and then Definitely the second time around, still effective, but not with the same impact. Right. Uh, and then, you know, we were talking about Kylo Ren, who um, I feel pretty vindicated about my <laughs> my stance on Kylo Ren after the first movie. Um, I thought he was awesome, like more awesome than most people thought he was. You, I you think. mean as far as the actor playing the character? Yeah. It, I mean... And the character, I'm saying, just being a cool villain. Um, yeah. But in that character, they really like have this awesome uh, villain for this series. And not only the actor and the way he plays them and, and the role he has in the um, in the movie, but there's also, you know, I think one of the things about this movie that is is a little bit different is just the they really like amped up the the ambiguity of um you know light versus dark the whole jedi is not really being all that great versus um right you know, it's not so black and white yeah and obviously that is embodied in this dude who you saw that in the first movie but in this one it's um it's more powerful he has a um they go into this whole um they do this force connection thing scenes with him and Ray like three or four times through the movie, um, which are really cool and powerful. And, yeah. you know, uh, I think I've said powerful quite a bit. So, but, uh, one thing I was disappointed with was what, uh, he, um, when he, uh, got kind of, um, berated by the Supreme leader Snoke and then, smashed his mask to bits in the elevator oh you like the mask yeah i like the mask <laughs> i mean i understand i mean it was a good good choice as far as him like not having the mask on for the rest of the movie and 
um, allowing the actor, Adam Driver, to to really act, emote, mm-hmm. whatever, what have you. Um, but I mean, I would like to see the mask come back because it's a cool mask. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think the demolishing of the mask kind of shows you where that stands with him as far as him not wanting a mask anymore, honey. Well, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's interesting, or I guess, how do you feel about like the truth of Ray's parentage? Yeah. I don't know. Part of me is like, maybe he's lying. I, I think that he's not. I think he's not too, but I was kind of hoping. And I think that because I think that just fits into the, to one of the the bigger themes of, of the movie, which is, um, or one of the bigger themes, which is, um, I don't want to say social mobility, but like, um, you don't have to be a Skywalker to be important or to be able to do these great deeds. Um, which we see with the, the kids, uh, you know, in, in Canto bite that we can, we'll talk about that scene too, I'm sure. But so I think cause her parentage is, is revealed that, you know, her parents are nobody. They, they sold her for drinking money or something, you know, and, and they're dead. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's, I think that's the truth. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> that's one of those things that, you know, a, a lot of people were disappointed in, these these resolutions to these open ended questions that uh, he left at at the end of Force Awakens, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm okay with it, especially because yeah. um, you know Ryan John- Ryan Johnson now he's going to go do his own Star Wars trilogy separate from the Skywalker stories, uh, so I think that's probably got a lot to do with that underlying message of mm-hmm. of the movie. Uh, because they have to break off. They have to go in a different direction. I mean, as far as I know, um, Ben Solo is the last Skywalker and he's not, um, all that great. As far (laughs) as he's all that great. He's just not, he's all all that, that all that and of potato (laughs) chips. Did I say and of potato chips? (laughs) Yeah, you did. (laughs) He's, He's all that and a bag of potato chips is, um, it's okay. What nobody else would say. (laughs) (laughs) but um i mean that's one of the one of the things that um just the relationships in this movie are so you're so invested in uh, in these characters i think um definitely invested in the characters and and not just the old ones like the new ones new ones and and the new relationships between the characters that yeah you kind of i mean they seem very like real life like you know everybody's shipping Ray and Finn, but like that doesn't necessarily mean things are going to work out. No. And you know, when, when Luke and Ray are talking to Kylo Ren and, and they just, they call him Ben whenever they speak to him. Right. Cause they're trying to pull him back to that yeah. good side. Um, and those relationships are, are really built up through these, like the force connection stuff where they, you know, this is, um, there's a lot of disparate, storylines uh everybody's in a different place but they find ways to you know fill in um the relationship with those force connections or with that um 
the Rashomon style uh, flashback to what happened between Ben Solo and Luke Skywalker. Right. With you know, like different, different versions. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, there's only like, I guess, two different perspectives. And then ultimately, I think the third one is as close to the truth as we're going to get. Mm-hmm. But you see, you know, what happened with their split and why Luke went into hiding and what happened with all his uh, Jedi trainees. You're not really sure. They said they killed some of them and some of them left with him. And I know that they brought up the Knights of Ren in in The Force Awakens, but um, they don't really tell you what happened with those characters. So, Are those characters those that red guys? That... I, I don't think so. Um, they could be. But there was no indication that the Praetorian guards, oh. um, I think they would have specifically like said, mentioned it. Yeah. If those, if those were those people hmm. and one of the, one of the other storylines, um, obviously Finn, John Boyega, and he meets up with this new Rose character, uh, Kelly Marie Tran, I think is the actress actor who plays her. Yeah. So they, so they, yeah. They have their adventure where they they have a mission and they're trying to find someone and that does not go according to plan, but um sort of the effect of this side mission is it brings in um a lot of information about what really is going on in in the universe and you know, more of the good versus evil, but on a more human, regular person scale. That Um, was one of those very um, ambiguous things that uh, comes up in this movie where they find this DJ character who's Benicio Del Toro and Canto Bite is basically like this Monte Carlo uh, place where all these rich people are and they've made money off of uh, selling weapons uh, weapons. And, uh, you know, to both the rebels right, and cause the assumption is if you're an arms dealer, you're selling to the bad guys, yeah. but depending on what side you're on, the other side is the bad guys. Yeah. So, you know, it stands to reason that the arms dealers are arming both sides, yeah. you know, and, and so and they go there more the perspective thing. Yeah. They go there looking for this code breaker because they want um, to get on to the lead Star Destroyer and shut off their tracker because they figured out that they're tracking them through light speed, right. um, which is another um, plot hole that some people complained about. But what's also cool is um, it's actually in Rogue One. How Have you it? seen this clip? No, but because nobody could, you weren't able to track through light speed before, right? But how I don't understand how it's really a plot hole if they they exactly. go into such detail <laughs> about explaining how it's now possible and how yeah. they figured it out. Yeah, people just because they want so people obnoxious. to have the ability to to go to light speed and disappear. Yeah. But in in Rogue One, um, after you know at the end where they're trying to get the plans to the Death Star and um, what's her name. Jin Erso is uh, looking through the different uh, files and stuff, and uh, she actually says that there's something there for tracking through light speed, um, like a plan for that technology. Hmm. 
So it comes up in Rogue One and then they use it in The Last Jedi, which was cool. That is cool. <laughs> but they also bring BB-8 with them, who um, serves as good comic relief through... Always. Um, yeah. <laughs> these but so couple did R2-D2. Movies. So. Yeah. And on on that planet, they, you know, you get a lot of a lot more backstory for, for Rose and even a whole like cruelty to animals subplot. Thing right. I feel on. like there's layers upon layers yeah. of, of, um, oppression and perspective and, um, and things like that. But I don't feel like that that's any different than no previous. I, I just really enjoyed I, all of it. I did too. And, and I thought it was a fun way to present this kind of other part of the universe that isn't a warring faction right now yeah you know? and even like the scene itself like I, maybe the um casino stuff went on a little bit long but like when they're going uh panning through there for the first time and there's all these different creatures and not, you know i'm sure some of it is cgi but a lot of it is just like um not cgi I don't mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you call that puppets yeah special effects <laughs> yeah Makeup. Uh, yeah all those things and it was basically their um cantina scene for that movie yeah. uh but they also um cut to back to the planet where um ray has given up on convincing luke to help them and they uh they take off because she's gonna go get ben solo um and pull him back to the light side save him yeah uh so they take off in the millennium falcon which is full of nests of porgs now (laughs) (laughs) um and and then you know luke goes to to burn the the sacred text and the force ghost uh, of yoda shows up um which is fun it is fun uh i really like that um another one of those uh overt lessons and also call back to uh the movies from 30 years ago where he was you know mm-hmm. oh, still always looking to the future and never concentrating on where you are and what you're doing uh he says horizon <laughs> looking to yeah. the horizon yeah. and his lesson that the pupil is is you know what is always meant to outgrow the master and that failure is the best teacher and and apparently force ghosts can pull pull lightning down out of the sky and <laughs> <laughs> light trees on fire when um, other Jedis can't bring themselves to just burn it down with a torch. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, you know, after he does that, Luke, Luke is like <laughs> the sacred text and he's like, they're real page turners, huh? Did you read them? Uh, it was good. It was good stuff. It but, was good stuff. I agree. Uh, and then cut to one of the, uh, coolest scenes, I think in, in the movie, um, where, you know, she, uh, jettisons from the, yeah, she jettisons, Ray jettisons from the, uh, Millennium Falcon and onto the, the flagship and, um, Kylo Ren takes her up to the, the red throne room where the Supreme Leader Snoke is there to, um, either turn her, interrogate her what a both those things mm-hmm. um just a really great scene from like front to back where snoke who just kind of no backstory kind of came out of nowhere didn't have a big part in the first movie and the second movie here um he's pretty quickly dispatched mm-hmm. um in a super cool kylo ren moment where you almost think he's gonna 
turn and uh the praetorian guards after he kills snoke come after him and ray and you get this super cool like uh battle scene where they're fighting with each other and helping each other out and throwing lightsabers to each other so they can cut somebody's head yeah it's, <laughs> it's a really fun scene it's a it's a great fight scene yeah and then at the end obviously this really painful realization that they both want something from each other um that they're just not going to be able to to get right the part where he's like um come with me and then he, <laughs> he gets this this beat and he goes please um mm-hmm. you know you can just it's really um i don't know really really uh, well done where you're rooting for for both of them and then you're super disappointed in the way it, it turns out but not in um not in a way that makes you feel left feeling wanting uh, yeah more i think i, I mean know. i guess i well how do you feel about it i mean i was disappointed but not like in a i don't know i don't i don't feel so much for kylo ren i guess the way that you do. I mean, it's disappointing, but like, I, I wanted it to go a different way. I really just... Oh, yeah. Yeah. It would have been cool if it had, but I don't know where they would have gone with her through the movie either. I don't know. Um, That's a good point. That yeah. is a very good point. Okay. Yeah. Because then it would could all have just been over. Yeah. And and instead, you know, they, um, they, they part ways after force fighting over Luke's lightsaber which splits in half and explodes and um pretty symbolic i guess right (laughs) (laughs) but another one of the you know first viewing really powerful things in in the movie i thought was uh laura Dern plays this vice admiral holdo character uh and there's a scene where she jumps to light speed like through the flagship to allow the rebels to escape Mm mm-hmm I thought that that character was interesting um, because the movie sets you up to kind of feel like she's where you're not supporting her. Right. Either incompetent or actively um, trying to to get the rebellion killed. Right. (laughs) Or snuffed out completely. So I I just, um, you know, I like that that even though that this is like a a very limited character, you know, you're, you're not we're not seeing her again. No. Um, that, that like there's this level that, uh, of, uh, or there are these layers of leadership and personality there that you, yeah. that you actually get even in the, in the short time that she's in this star Wars universe. Um, and, and how they address that and, and, um, kind of do a small amount of exposition on her backstory. Um, you know, it sets up all of the right things. So you're not really actually surprised, but you still spent this whole time with this character kind of not believing in her, no. which I think was really well done. Yeah, me too. And then there was this whole article on the ringer.com about um, jumping to light speed and how that scene changes our understanding of how light speed works and like, um you know if that was something that could be done like why is it the first time it's happened and why don't people just shoot ships at light speed through other ships and it's just i i I started reading kill themselves (laughs) and destroy their ship piloted by 
robots or what like these this is the thing like people are just it's too much like I, I started reading the article and i got mad and i started to skim it and i was like Fuck this article who's, <laughs> who's for like who's um first instinct would be like i know why don't i just destroy this ship by 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 kamikaze right you know i mean doesn't happen too often in, in this world right even though it could it can and it's <laughs> happened but that doesn't mean that like that's people's first choice of yeah. it's a real freaking expensive way to like <laughs> yeah. let's build this whole ship and then just destroy it no yeah. that's a, that's not a practical like why would people do this all the time kind of question yeah anyway and then but that allows the rebels to get to the this um abandoned base on this great salt planet well it's mineral planet is what it was called but then the Did guy they? licks it and he's like that's salt yeah but i don't think that means everything's kind of made of salt it's just really but it's yeah no i don't i don't care right <laughs> oh, okay i think that this was probably visually one of my favorite yeah things it was just so stunning yeah like the, it, the contrast and like the sort of just dual chromatic yeah the scenery and the use of red like just kind of throughout the movie is is pretty cool but we've seen these images because of the trailers right and actually like by, by the time you're two hours into the movie you're like wait what happened to the, <laughs> what happened to the planet where there's all this red dust flying behind these land speeders um and you realize there's still half an hour left in the movie, <laughs> which I'm okay with. Yeah. But like you said, they use it uh, to great effect you know, visually just um, when the salt kicks up and there's all this red. And then you have the the walkers. I don't remember what they're called. Like with the kind of gorilla hands. And the, yeah. Um, they have this cannon that's made with Death Star technology for some reason. Um, right. Everything comes back to the Death Star. Uh, that is going to blast through this um, armored door that the rebels are hiding behind. Um, as far as the the stuff on the salt planet, besides being uh, visually kind of awesome, um, there's the reemergence of Luke Skywalker, his kind of showdown with Kylo Ren, who's really made his decision <laughs> on right. Um, you know, how he's going to be the new Supreme leader and rule over everything. Right. Um, as a, as a super, super pissed emo <laughs> guy, <laughs> emo Kylo Ren on Twitter. It's hilarious by the way, if anybody's looking for a good follow. Uh, so he has the showdown with Luke Skywalker, um, which is really, really well done. And really, unexpected. Yeah. Uh, I mean, very really, unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also unexpected, I didn't think that Luke would um, die in this uh, movie, right? Yeah, I guess I just wasn't, <laughs> I didn't feel surprised, but I also, it wasn't like a thing that I was predicting to happen either. Yeah, uh, they definitely give him a great uh, send off, you know, he kind of uh, saves the day, allows the rebels to escape. Um, you know, he's not, he's not the one man who's going to topple the first order, um, which is what he's always, when he's mm -hmm. said from the beginning of the movie, but he, um, he plays a part in 
lighting the spark, as they say. Right. Um, the spark of hope. Yeah. And then apparently Jedis all just disappear when they die instead of <laughs> having a body to clean up. But, you know, right before he does, he's got the, <laughs> uh, he's sitting on the rock with the two sons, which is reminiscent of his home planet from Tatooine in the first movie. And then, I don't know, turns out he's not, he's not going to be the last Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he kind of is because like this new, well, I know like, he slept they, through it the second time, but he explicitly says that he won't be the last Jedi. And then they cut to Ray lifting those rocks, which is also funny. Um, oh, <laughs> that's true. That's right. But, um, I don't know. He, I mean, he's gotta be in the next, the next movie, right? As like a, a force ghost. I don't know if, yeah. if he'll be, um, sparingly used like well, they, they did for Obi-Wan. Yeah. yeah, I know. Uh, just who's going to teach Ray. I mean, she took the, the books. Right. Cause uh, the, Yoda said she, everything that was in there, Ray has right. already has with her. <laughs> so funny. There's nothing in there that Ray doesn't already have with her, which I thought was hilarious. And yeah. So she has the books. Yeah. They, they end the movie with that kind of cheesy scene with the kids, um, from Canto by, um, show him with his little force power to, uh, grab the broom and, mm-hmm. and you could, you, you, I, I would have ended it on a, on a different something, something different, even mm-hmm. if it was just the Millennium Falcon flying away. <laughs> uh, that was, that was my biggest quibble with the movie was really? just that. Don't yeah. you feel like there's nothing more hopeful than children with potential? <laughs> <laughs> I do admit that that's a little bit hokey, but no. Uh, so basically, to wrap up, Star Wars: The Last Jedi. I loved it. I did too, and I'm looking forward to four months from now when it comes out on. Yeah. <laughs> on. What do you say? Do digital you streaming. Digital streaming. When it comes to uh, video. VOD. I'm just gonna say when it comes to video still because yeah. that's good enough for me. When it's available for home viewing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that'll probably wrap it up unless you have anything else for. Last Jedi. Mm-mm. All okay. right. Cool. It was fun. It was smart. We liked it.